going to invite you to get into your, your Bibles, your Bible apps, whatever you're using today, uh, to New Testament, the book of Hebrews. No one knows for sure who wrote it. Got a lot of thoughts on it, but nonetheless, it's here in the Bible, so it's legit. want to uh, ask you to turn your attention to the chap- uh, chapter 4 of Hebrews, fourth chapter of Hebrews, and want to say hi to those watching online. Uh, so glad you guys are tuning in today and being a part of this church family, being a part of this time together of worship and the word and prayer. And I want to encourage you, if you're still kind of out there wondering, should you go back to church uh, in person, I want to encourage you that it's as safe as we can make it. People are distant in the seats. People are wearing masks as much as they, they want to. We encourage it. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, um, if you have yet to get out of your home to come to church, uh, obviously I invite you to come. And, uh, and, and want love for you to come. Come next Sunday, check it out. If you think, no, 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 too much, too much for me. But hey, at least try it, okay? We'd love to, love to see you. I deeply miss being able to worship with everybody in our, in our church. But I'm so glad you are here in person with us today. Uh, Hebrews 4 is where we're going to jump off today. We, we are starting a new series called Foundations. We just wrapped up a series that we did over the month of July called The Parables of Jesus. We, we only looked at, uh, man, I forgot how many now, but maybe 10, 12 of those parables. There's like over 40 of those. So we may go back to that particular subject matter another time to explore some more of the parables of Jesus uh, but we're starting a new series today called Foundations. And what we're doing over, over the next little bit, uh, few weeks is we're going to be looking at New Life Church's tenets of faith. That's just a fancy word for saying doctrine, teachings, the things we hold as true in, in, in our church, church body. And for a lot of churches uh, hold these same, same things as well, if, if not the majority of all. So, um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of explore some of these, and not for informational purposes only, because that's part of it, but also for uh, gaining an understanding of how, how these beliefs shape our life, or how they should shape our life, and how we are called to live this out. And so I've titled today's message, Tighten Your Grip. Tighten Your Grip. Let's look at the main verse here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. The writer says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. It was probably two, if maybe three summers ago, I uh, took my uh, youngest two, Callie and Emma, out back to, to play on their swing set one summer day. And Callie, Callie's eight now, Emma's six now, so at that time, Emma was either four, maybe three, somewhere in that neighborhood, and put her on the big kid swing, all right? And she was excited, ready to go. Uh, they both were on their two different swings, and so I began to push uh, Emma, and as I began to push Emma on the swing, I said, now, you got to make sure you hold on tight, real, real tight. You guys know where this is going. And... She said, okay, and so I gave her a good couple of little pushes, and as I was going over to get Callie started, I hear this thud. I thought, what? 
It's Emma laying on the ground, crying, screaming. I pick her up and make sure she's okay. And uh, I have to confess, I was a little irritated because I told her to hold on. And I took her inside after she calmed down after a few minutes. I said, what in the world happened? She said, I just let go. (laughs) I said, well, you you can't let go. And to this day, she has not let go of that swing. Uh, She's gotten braver and wants me to push her higher and faster and uh, but uh, you, you know what happens when we let go of the right things. We fall, and it hurts, or it can hurt. And the, and the writer here tells us to hold firmly to what we believe. The words there, hold firmly, means to not discard. To not, obviously, to not let go, but to keep something, keep it carefully, and keep it faithfully. To continue to hold on and to retain. To retain what? What we believe. What is it we are called to believe? In, in fancy terms, doctrine. But in general terms, teachings. Why is it it's so imperative here that this writer would tell us, hold firmly. Don't let go of it. Don't, don't discard it. But keep it continually. Keep it faithfully in your grip. What you believe. Well, let's look at this. Titus 2. Paul writes these two thoughts to Titus and to Timothy. Titus 2, 1, he says, Titus, you need to promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome or sound teaching or doctrine. And he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, he says, A time is coming, Timothy, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. Healthy and sound or wholesome teaching promotes a pattern for us to follow that, that, that develops and and, and provides a, a strong and a healthy faith and certainly a, a genuine love. You know, we can, we can, can kind of be the kind of people who hold fast to this thing that promotes maybe a, 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 good, a, a strong faith of belief, but, it, but we're not allowing our hearts to be changed and have love. Because we've maybe come across some folks, maybe we've been guilty of this before, but we've been all truth and not love. And, and that people like that are not fun to be around. And, 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 the, and, and good, healthy, sound, wholesome teaching promotes a pattern that will develop both in our hearts. Strong, healthy faith. But at the same time, genuine love. Love for the Lord and love for other people. Because Jesus broke it down and he said, hey, love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, right? So we, the two go hand in hand. And so doctrine is, is basically it's teaching from God about God that directs our lives to God. Any teaching that doesn't come from God and is about God, and certainly if it doesn't lead your heart and your life in the direction towards God, then it's not anything you need to be listening to and give your attention to. I certainly don't allow it to shape in, uh, your values or your beliefs or, or, your, or your thoughts. And the primary object of, 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 
of doctrine, of teaching, is God. And then all things in relationship to God. Because healthy teaching, sound teaching, wholesome teaching of the word, what it does, it it allows us to see God as the one from whom, through whom, and to whom all things exist. And directs our lives to the glory of who he is. You know, Paul wrote these to Titus and to Timothy. And I mean, if we're not living in this, in this day and time of the truth of this, promote the kind of living that, that reflects wholesome, healthy, sound teaching, because the time's coming when people will not want to listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Today, they'll follow their own desires. They'll look for people to just tell them what they want to hear. And certainly, friends, we're, we're, we're living in such a day and time as, as that now, where you, you go on anything online, you can find anything you want that will line up with what you think. Any, any a thought or opinion we have, we can go and find it to mirror that. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's accurate or that it's true, because all truth, as we're going to learn today, comes from one place. And that is the Bible. God's holy word. But we're going to look at some things about that. But consider this, Romans 11. He says, everything comes from God, exists by his power, and is tended for his glory. You got to catch that word, everything. It says, all glory to him forever. And to the Corinthians, he writes, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, As for us, there's one God, the Father, by whom all things were created. And for whom we live. There is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things were created and through whom we live. Colossians 1.6 he writes, For through him Christ God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him and wholesome sound doctrine and teaching what things we hold to be true those are the things that that allow us to see God as the one from whom and through whom and to whom all things truly exist and our lives then directed towards his glory you know what we believe is shaped by what we are taught we can we can be taught a lot of things And those things help shape what we believe. So what we give our our time and attention to and our allegiance to and our mind to and our thoughts to and our heart to and our our self to, over time it's going to take a hold of the outcome of our lifestyle. What we believe is shaped by what we are taught. And we are, as followers of Christ, we are called to be taught from the Bible, the Word of God. That's actually the number one tenet of our faith as a church is God's holy Word, the Bible. Lifeway did a study recently, then they found out and discovered that 32% of Christians are in the Word of God daily. 32%. Why would only about a third of Christians engage God's Word on a daily 
basis. I mean, if we say we believe it, we say all the things about it, I mean, there's unlimited resource to, to get to it, to view it, to hear it, to listen to it, to podcast it, to it'll even read it to you these days, all that. Why would only a third of Christians engage God's Word on a daily basis? You know, at, at, at our church, at New Life Church, it's our mission to make devoted followers of Jesus Christ, to live, to lead, and to, to teach in such a way to inspire our members to, to develop a personal relationship with Jesus, to learn how to follow him, to learn how to come to him and approach him and, and follow who he is. Maybe a third of Christians don't engage the word regularly or daily. It's maybe we, we just forget what all the word has to say. I mean, there's 66 books, there's over 31,000 verses. That's a lot to say, right? <laughs> a lot to say about God and what God has to say about us. And so maybe it gets, maybe it gets overwhelming, maybe uh, we, we get too many things going or whatever it might be. But today I want to take a few minutes and we're actually going to talk about five truths the Bible teaches us about God's Word itself. We're going to look at five truths the Bible teaches about God's Word itself. You guys ready? A few of you are. Number one, the Bible teaches us that God's Word is inspired by God. The Bible teaches us that God's Word is actually inspired by God. Let's look at this, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the Word, to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. We believe the Holy Bible, both the Old and the New Testaments, they are the authoritative word of God. And the Bible alone is responsible for the final authority for determining all doctrinal truths. In its original writing, the Bible is inspired, it's infallible, and it is inerrant. His word is for our good and it's for his glory. I mean, look at just these short two verses the Word of God says it's inspired by God, useful to teach us what is true. How else would we know what is true? I know in a day and time like now, anybody can say anything and say it's true. But something has to be measured against the standard in order for it to be determined if it's true or not true. There is always a standard in something. There's a standard in, in, in all practices. There's a standard in in, in a lot of fields of, of, of uh, working, there's all types of standards, and there's got to be there's a standard of truth when it comes to knowing what is true and what is not true. And the Bible is that, and it says the Bible, the Word of God, is helpful. It's useful. It teaches us what's true. It makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. The Word of God says it corrects us when we're wrong. 
Anybody ever been corrected by the Bible? Almost every day. <laughs> Corrects us when we're wrong. Teaches us to do what is right. And, it, and then it prepares us and equips us for every good work. You name the good work is the umbrella. Under that umbrella, the good work that God has. You name it. Put yourself there. God's word helps to prepare us for it, helps to equip us for it as a, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a wife, as a mother, as a, as a child, as a student, as a single person, as someone with children, without children, uh, whatever we might be in, in whatever demographic of life we might find ourselves, God's word helps to make sure that we can be prepared and equipped to do the good work of his name on the earth. It's not about handing out tracts per se or going and preaching on the corners or any of that. It's about living the life that God has called us to live where he has called us to live. It, it, it impacts it and it, it has influence. It, it, has, it has, has a tremendous weight of, of effect on our everyday life. The word of God, the Bible teaches us that God's word comes from God. And so that's foundational, number one, altogether. Number two, the Bible teaches us that God's word is alive and powerful. Let's look at this in Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, the word of God is alive and powerful. And it goes on and says more about that. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is alive and powerful. The word alive means to, to breathe or to be fresh. So the word of God, it's saying the word of God is able to breathe fresh life into my soul. And it's also powerful. We get the, uh, the Greek word there... It, for us, and we get our English word from this, energy is what that means. The word of God is energetic. I have a six-year-old, as I told you. She's so energetic. At the time of day when we're supposed to be calming down and getting ready for bed, this six-year-old stands up on the couch and is ready to go for another 12 hours. Anybody want to take care of Emma for a day? Her one of her teachers who loves her. <laughs> No, she's awesome. She's amazing. I, I, I wish I could contain half of the energy she has. But she is spunky. She has energy. And I look at her and God reminded me, that's how my word is. My word is energetic. When you're about to give up on something, my word snaps you back and says you can't quit now. When you're doubting something, my word floods your heart and it becomes energy to your spirit and it renews your soul and it says you got to believe God again. That's what God's word does. It's energetic in us. It moves us. It compels us to believe him. It motivates us to move for him. It causes us to get off of ourselves and to see other people and see how can God use me to help somebody else. God's word is not dull. It said it is sharp, sharper than the most two-edged sword around. It's precise. 
It's so precise, in fact, that it is able to cut into our life and cut away what we don't need in us and build Christ-like character that you and I need. It says it's so alive and so powerful that it actually can discern our own thoughts. In other words, it has a way of strengthening the mind of Christ in us. Don't show your hands, but do you ever feel like some days you're going crazy? Don't show your hands. Don't show your hands. You have so many thoughts coming in. You feel like your mind is flooded with thoughts upon thoughts. And you got this thought, that thought. Everybody's thinking this and that or whatever. You're thinking about what somebody else might be thinking. It's crazy. But God's Word is so alive and so energetic that it causes us to discern, hey, I need to not think that and I need to think this. Philippians teaches us, hey, don't think on that, but think on this. Think on things that are good and holy and noble and pure and righteous. Things that are above and not beneath. Folks, we have to make ourselves do that. And the way we make ourselves think that way is we let the Word get in us and read our thoughts. Because God's word is pure. The word of God is inspired by God. It's pure. There is no fault in his word. His word has a way of working in our life. Number three. The Bible teaches us that God's word is a lamp and a light for our way. Psalm 119, kind of right in the middle of the Bible, longest chapter there is, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's word is a lamp that guides our feet, our steps. God orders the steps of a person. His word guides each footstep. But then it says your, your word is also a light. It lights up the path of life for you. You can only see so far, but you see enough to keep stepping the way God shows you to keep stepping. So his word is guidance. His word is leadership. His word is direction. His word shows us the way in which we should go and how we should go. So when we pray and we wonder and we ask and we have questions and we need to know, God, what do you think about this? What do you have to say about this? Where should I be going with this? Should I take this job? Should I accept this particular place of education? Should I go here? Should I come here? What, what do you think, God? God's word guides. God's word leads. Nine times out of ten, someone will ask me to pray for them, and I'll pray for them, but he'll give me a scripture that I'll send back to them. And I like doing that because I, I like to like for them to know that they can, one, hopefully they can count on me to pray, and I'll do it, hopefully, but more than that, that they have the word of God to put their faith in more than me. 
that they'll see that word. It might just be a scripture, but one verse, but it's enough. You don't need but one word from God. It'll change your whole life. Sometimes you just need one little God said, and that's all you need. Sometimes you just need to open the Bible, and it says the Lord. And that, man, that was enough for you right there. You just needed to know that the Lord was speaking to you today. That in your dark day, in your gloomy day, in your disappointed day, in your discouraging day, there was a word from the Lord that he gave you. And it didn't come from a person per se. It came directly from him. God will use people. God will use you to help others. But it comes down to will you hear and will you see, will you receive what God has to say about his word because his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I've always liked this scripture. It's Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. By the way, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Most months have 31 days. A good practice that any Christian can have At any given time, the Proverbs are known as the book of wisdom. You could take a proverb a day for a month and go through the book of Proverbs. I I haven't done it in a while like that, but I would encourage you ever so often, if you just kind of feel dry on wisdom, needing, hey, I need some wisdom, open up a proverb on the day you're at, you'll be surprised at what will stick out to you. Be amazed at what will stick out to you, how God so desperately wants to speak to you and how, he mu- how, how so he wants you to hear what he has to say about your life. But Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Depend on Facebook for all your understanding. <laughs> I just want to make sure you were awake. I didn't put you to sleep. I didn't bore you to death. Is don't depend on your own understanding. Seek all your followers on Instagram and you'll know what to do. No? Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Imagine as Christians, followers, we're supposed to be following Jesus. And we actually talk to him first, before we find out what everybody else has to say about something. And then we have the courage and the conviction to actually go and do what he says to do. That's the way it's supposed to be. Because his word works that way. Number four. I just have five. Somebody said amen. Number four. The Bible teaches us that God's word will not return void it will remain forever. The Bible teaches us that God's word will not return void, but it will remain forever. Isaiah 55 verse 11 writes, the Lord was talking through Isaiah. He says, the same with my word. I send it, my word, out. And it, my word, always produces fruit. It, my word, will accomplish all I want it, my word, to And it, my word, will prosper everywhere I send it, my word. I'll try to say it again without saying all that. It, my word, I'll leave it at that. It's the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's word will not return void in our life. God's word is alive. His word's alive. And his word is powerful. It's active. God's word is sharp. Don't you think God's word can't be fizzed out? It cannot fade. In fact, look at uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 25. Peter writes, The word of the Lord remains 
forever. The word of the Lord remains forever. God's word will remain forever. It will not lose its power. It will not diminish in its dominance. It will not fade with a fad. It will always override. It will always stay alive. It will always linger. It will always stay longer. It will always reach farther. It will always shine brighter than anything else you and I could ever listen to or read or watch. God's word teaches us it's productive his word produces fruit it accomplishes his will we want god's will to be done in our life we have to speak the word of god if you want to develop a prayer life you have to first develop a a word life we won't know what to pray unless we read what to pray amen God's word will not return void. It will prosper wherever it's sent. Wherever it is sent. The Bible is still the highest grossing purchase of books in the world. Wherever it's sent. I was listening, having a short conversation with a longtime member this morning. And she was saying, I need to tell you some good news There's revivals here, there's revivals there. In our own country, there's revivals happening, revival fires happening all over this land, even in the midst of what's going on in this country. But she said there's also revivals in other parts of the country like Iran. So many people are getting born again and standing up for the faith and getting baptized. How is that possible? Because God's word is being preached. God said, I will, it will prosper, it will accomplish wherever it is sent. Wherever we go, whatever it is, God's word, it will produce fruit in our life. It remains. So like seed, though, God's word has to be planted. And once it gets planted, then it can take root. And once it takes root, then it begins to grow. God's word is not meant for, you know, like a fortune cookie. <laughs> don't, treat, don't treat this sacred word as a fortune cookie. Now, if you got to do that to get started, do it, get started, but then realize, hey, he's bigger than that. He's more than that, okay? He's so much greater than that. Let it get planted, let it take root, and it will produce. And number five, the Bible teaches us that God's word is Jesus. The Bible teaches us that God's word is Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Verse 14, the word became human and made his home among us. Speaking of Jesus, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You know, to get to know and grow in a relationship with Jesus, then we have to be people who get in his word. Um, You know, we live in a world 
that conditions us to think in terms of temporary. When it pertains to our own individual, you know, contentment and happiness and appeasement. But when it comes to eternal things, the, the world really, what it does, it can, tries to condition us to not think about that sort of thing. There's styles, there's fads, there's trends. Why does always have everything has its thing, has its season, has its time. And that's what the world conditions us to chase after. The latest style, the latest fad, the latest trend, the latest buzzword. But the Bible teaches us to live a life that is surrendered to God. Because a life that is surrendered to God is a life that is built on the rock. And that is Christ. And that type of person is someone who is solid, who is firm, who is unwavering. They're not moved by the latest fill-in-the-blank. Jesus ended his Sermon on the Mount with this in Matthew chapter 7. One of our elders, Brandon Bailey, just taught on this subject matter in the parable a couple of weeks ago. The Bible teaches us to live a life surrendered to God. Not that dress how you want, look how you want, be what you want, buy what you want with your own money that you make, do everything like that, whatever it is. God teaches us to live surrendered to Him. Because when, when a person lives surrendered to Him, it really doesn't matter what we have or we don't have. It really doesn't matter how we look or we don't look. It really doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus. What matters is Jesus. And that kind of person is a person who is solid, who's unwavering. I like to be around people like that. I'm not talking about hard-nosed, hard-line people. I'm talking about people whose hearts are soft, who you can tell they love God, and they really care about people. But man, they're just not moved by what's on TV. They're not moved by what the masses are saying. They're not moved by the latest trend. They're solid. They're going to keep going. They're just going to keep on going. That's the kind of person God calls us to be. How do we know all of this to be true? Well, the Bible teaches us that. Hebrews 4.14. Hold firmly to what you believe. Don't let go. Keep continually. Keep faithfully what you believe. Do you really believe God's word? That it is inspired by him? That it holds all authority? If so, then that word, his word should matter most about all things. Now I get people misuse the word. I get that. But it doesn't change the fact that it's still true. It doesn't change that it still has power. Do you believe God's word? 
is alive, is energetic. It can move you. It can help you. It can shape you. It can transform you. It can empower you. It can equip you. It can teach you. Do you believe God's word can light your path, can guide you and direct you? Do you believe God's word, man, is fruitful, is productive? It's stout in your life. Do you believe God's word ultimately? It's Jesus. If so, then we're called to live our life surrendered to him. How tight is your grip? How tight is your grip on what you believe? We are, we are in a day and time where we have to make sure we are holding firm to the word of God, to what we truly believe God says. This is not a time where we can go lax on our, on our belief and our faith. This is a time where we have to press in and we have to tighten our grip. If not, like my daughter, unfortunately, will fall out of the swing. And God wants us to enjoy the journey that he's pushing us on, leading us on, spending time with us in. He wants us to be useful in the moment of this hour. And he's with us. But we have the responsibility to tighten our grip and to hold fast to what we believe. I can't encourage you enough to find some way of creating a daily habit of your own to get into the word of God. I can't encourage you enough to find what works for you, to open your life up to get into his word. I mean, at these day, at these day and times, it, it, it's on a phone. There's an app called YouVersion. Anybody, ever, anybody seen that? You probably used that. Man, you go to find plans on there, devotional plans. They got all kinds of plans, plans about anxiety, dealing with that. If you're new to the faith, a new believer, they got plans on that. They even, they even got plans to walk you through the whole Bible in a year. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to get one of those. Do that at least once in your life. Got apps on marriage and relationships, dating, on work, on leadership, on prayer, on worship, on forgiveness, on faith, on divorce, on addiction. Got them tailored for women, got them tailored for men, got them tailored for teenagers, got them tailored for young kids. find something that you know you can feed your spirit with from God's word. Maybe just a good old fashioned open it up. Whatever it takes. Create a habit. The next time Lifeway does the study, maybe it'll go from 32 to 92%. Could you imagine an America of Christians who open the word of God mostly every day and get in it every day and live it every day, breathe it every day, change them every day, go about it every day. Can you imagine how many people will be coming to the Lord? How many families will not suffer divorce? How many children will be raised up in a godly home again? Can you imagine the transformation and the change of this, of this country? God wants to do it through us but we got to hold on to it 
Amen? We got to hold on to it. If you want to talk more about developing habits in this, I'm not, the, I'm not saying I'm the role model in it. I'm just saying I know it works. And I encourage us all. If I could pray for you before we go. I invite you to stand if you're able to stand. I'd love to pray for you today. Lord, we are humbled by you. We're humbled by your goodness. We're humbled by your love. We're thankful that you are long-suffering and faithful. Even when we aren't, you are. Lord, I pray today that you would truly breathe fresh life into us. Where we have gotten over-worried, overworked, overwhelmed by life and its busyness and the responsibilities of it. Through you today, come, breathe fresh life into us. And Lord, I just pray a simple prayer. Give us a desire to get into your word on a daily, consistent basis in a way that is not religious, but a way that is relational. Meet us where you find us. We look to you today. Empower us in this, your word. We thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen.